You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 369, a man tried to give Juliet advice on public transport. It didn't go well for him. Are you a restaurant table blocker? And on her 60th birthday, we ask what's so great about Madonna? That's all coming up after Aretha Franklin and Until You Come Back To Me. remember the last time I cried but on Thursday afternoon just gone I did become emotional when the news came through that Aretha Franklin had died and uh, she's been she's been so important to me through my life ever since I was little and I was I was thinking on Thursday and Friday quite why a young boy living in the home counties of England would find a connection to a soul singer from Detroit Michigan I'm, I'm not sure but I was um, a troubled and sad boy when I was about 12 and 13 and I found great comfort in listening to Aretha at that time. I had a compilation album, Aretha's Gold, on that distinctive Atlantic label and I used to play it over and over in my Mm. bedroom. And so Aretha meant the world to me and I'm so sad she's gone. Um, With a single co-written by Stevie Wonder when he was 16 years old. That man, eh? (laughs) Number three on the Billboard Hot 100, number 26 here in the UK from 1973, Aretha Franklin and Until You Come Back to Me, that's what I'm going to do. 
Oh, well, that's lovely words about Aretha, and I, I really miss her too. She, she, Her music, I just think, is phenomenal, and it's stuff that I always kind of lean on because it seems to have a real emotional connection. I always joke when I buy records, um, and when I spend money, but when I spend what I call real money on records, so more than a pound on a particular record, I always calculate how much is it going to work out per play. My friend always says, what's the per play rate on it at the moment? And I spent £10 on the original Atlantic 7-inch single of Respect by Aretha a while ago, and despite having spent £10 on a single, I think it's averaging about 25 pence a play at the moment. <laughs> People very much welcome it. And a few years ago, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, I've been to see Aretha... Um, no, I didn't go to see Aretha. I went to see... Um, Leanne Le Havis sing at the Delaware Pavilion oh, yes. and uh, she was wonderful she was so wonderful but the one of the best bits the most memorable bits was that she she just it was a wonderful gig and the atmosphere was amazing and she came out sort of having got rid of the band at one point she came out with her with a guitar and by herself played and sang I Say a Little Prayer for You and it was a wonderful version and the thing that made it so lovely was the fact that um, the audience sang the sort of refrains and the backing vocals unprompted and she actually laughed and found it hard to continue because everyone kept doing the forever and ever bits and it just goes to show how everyone knows that song it seems to touch everyone and and it's it's just you know there's just songs of joy and songs of power as well and, and my friend said that her voice was so much more than about singing I think particularly when you think of her performing at uh, Obama's inauguration and all that sort of thing, she just, yeah, just what a figure and what a loss. I am so sorry she's not with us anymore, but I'm also quite pleased I got to live at the same time as Aretha Franklin. That's quite good, isn't it? Absolutely. So versatile. You know, I mean, I think along with Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra, probably the best interpreter of other, yes. other people's songs. And Absolutely. She... Well, Respect is almost her song, isn't it, really, even though it was originally Otis, Otis Redding. Otis Redding, that's right. And the dynamism that she brought to Respect and the way that, you know, those opening lines, you know, mm-hmm. what you want, baby. Yeah. I've got it, you know. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, as you said, that sort of pained and determined kind of sound on I Say a Little Prayer and then mm-hmm. the sad and you know, sort of rather sort of lonely until you come back to me that we just heard. So a remarkable woman. And it's funny you mentioned the uh, Obama inauguration because I, I rather think that's the last time I became tearful mm. when Aretha sang at, at uh, President Obama's uh, inauguration. So, uh, yes, it's, it's a great shame. And um, I'll, I'll just keep playing her music endlessly uh, as probably many of us will welcome to the podcast from the parish council it's episode 369 i'm terence dackham and here after yet another weekend of being both hither and thither it's julia harris I love the fact that we've reached the point in our friendship where you resent me going out. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yes. Now, don't you come back late. Um, you know. Well, unfortunately, that <laughs> ship has already... Mm. I would say that ship, that train has already sailed. Well, speaking of that, I mean, Jules, mm. last, last week we were talking about the uh, sort of modus operandi when someone starts behaving oddly in a Weatherspoons pub and whether one is yes. obliged to sit there and tough it out because of social norms or whether it's OK to move away. Now, now, you've encountered a very similar situation, but not in a pub where there are at least some form of escape. Your your incident happened on public transport. It did. And I'm not cross about necessarily the individual in question. I'm hmm. cross about somebody else's intervention into yeah. it. And this goes out particularly to any all of the listeners who have had the temerity to be youngish women travelling by themselves on public transport. I didn't think this was a particularly ultra thing to do. Apparently it is. So I was getting the train back from Brighton mm. recently and it was it wasn't the last train but it was a late train I was already wound up by the fact that trains do not go very frequently from Brighton to Hastings um, and I had missed the last through train at uh, a sensible time by about two minutes which meant I had to wait and change trains at Lewis so I did this albeit with uh, my, my levels of gruntles were quite were quite <laughs> were quite dis at this point anyway so I was you know I, I had lower levels of gruntle at this point as I as I trundled across the platforms at Lewis to get the next train and this train turned up that was going through to to uh to St. Leonard's. it was eventually it was a later day it was oh it was a southern train so it wasn't really pleasant as they never are and I got on it and as I got on the train of course it's dark by this point it's about half 10 at night I think quarter to 11 at night so it's late and I got on this train carriage and I walked past and sat down 
And there was a woman of indeterminate age. I think she was older rather than younger. And I don't know what was going on with her. Um, it might have been some... I don't think she was drunk. I think it might have been some sort of different needs type mm. issue, can mm. I put this? Yes. And I sat down and she was staring at me fixedly across the aisle and she was turning to stare at me oh, and it continued for about two minutes oh, and of course i walked on and sat down and i and it, it wasn't as long as two minutes actually it was about a minute and i thought i just instantly thought no i don't feel comfortable mm. so i got up and walked and this and this bloke because i walked past went oh don't bother sitting down then <laughs> and I'm afraid to say, listener, I cannot repeat the two words that I said to him, the second of which was off. I said it rather curtly because by that point I was I could have been longer in my description, but I felt that I bolted everything I wanted to say onto those two words. And uh, God bless the woman that clapped as I walked past as I said those words. But it just it just really irritated me because firstly, I don't blame the woman for staring at me. It didn't, that was something that she felt she needed. I mean, God knows why, bless her. But anyway, she felt something that was something she needed to do and um or, or something she couldn't help doing mm. but i just it just made me so uncomfortable i thought okay then i'll move what the hell did it have to do with that stupid bloke that was sat near me what was me sitting down or not sitting down have anything to do with him at all i didn't brush past him when i walked past he was sitting in a seat it didn't affect him at all thank you to the person that clapped when i told him where mm. to go um it just annoys me it feels to me like like it is I know that, you know, public transport and behaviour on public transport is often pretty tedious anyway, particularly late at night when you get trains with drunk people. But having said that, I often enjoy drunk people on trains. My favourite ever overheard junk conversation was when I got on the train once from Brighton back to Hastings and these four people got on, might have been about halfway through at Eastbourne, I think, and they looked like they'd had a good time how can i put this the um, the the women's makeup was a little bit rearranged not not <laughs> awfully so but a, a little they looked a little bit disheveled and one of them said the immortal words yeah you've got to admit though three pound fifty was really good value for all that karaoke and i thought oh i like these people they sound like they're good fun and they really were they were very entertaining so i don't have anything against people late night public transport per se but there's just once again mm. men feeling the need to judge the behavior of women in public when i wasn't behaving i sat down and felt uncomfortable and got up and i didn't i couldn't really feel like i'd say i'm sorry but that woman's that weird woman staring at me and it makes me feel really odd which is basically why i've moved it just it just really ticked me off i'm fed up with with men uh, and their licentious attitudes towards my mm. behaviour in public, which has absolutely bog all to do with them, because I'm not even quote unquote behaving. I'm just living my life, and it makes me cross, Terence. Uh, no, I don't blame you too. I think people and men in particular. I think the vast majority of uh, the worst of these offenders are men. People generally more aggressive and outspoken in public than mm. any time in modern history and I think it's possibly a reflection of uh, the same sort of people who are keyboard warriors on the on the internet on social media and so on and have become um, used to just blurting stuff out absolutely as a response and we have lost we've completely lost that spirit of decorum and kindness and helpfulness in public that I think we had before the age of the internet I know we can't blame everything on um, on the, on no, the world no, wide web but you know, I think it's a contributor and I think certainly in the cities and across the home counties this happens I'm, I know some of, of this behaviour will be unrecognisable in parts of I don't know say Yorkshire or rural mm. communities people might say well that sort of equitable spirit survives but regular listeners will know it's pushing against an open door with me with public transport I, I avoid public transport at all costs and I couldn't tell you the last time I was on a bus but similar to you of course I'm a man so I, I don't generally you know get horrible uh, unwelcome comments from men in, mm. the, in the sense of you but the last time I got on a train a couple of years ago uh, coming back from Waterloo after attending a concert at the Festival Hall, I think it was the last train out of Waterloo um, on the Weybridge line, and it was just it was it was carnage. The atmosphere mm. atmosphere was horrible. There was a feel of threat in the air. Many people were the worst for wear. Again, drinkers often mm. involved in this. People were eating fast food from oh, the yes, takeaway. Oh yes, that's also oh, unappealing. That's really not good, you know. From those uh, you know restaurants, takeaway restaurants on Waterloo Concourse. We had to stand up much of the way back because it was so crowded. And then uh, there'd been some big rugby game on. Uh, so at Twickenham, dozens and dozens more people, oh, no. also the worst for wear, uh, clambered on. And again, mirroring your um, 
experience men being generally objectionable and very loud a few women were a bit shouty but it seemed in a more kind of matey pally way all girls together rather than in the threatening to strangers way Mm. that men do various rugby songs being bellowed it was an absolute relief to get off in 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 one piece um and i I do feel that um it's it is particularly awful now that in particular women and particularly women on their own almost have to look over their shoulders all the time absolutely it's it's so annoying and and the worst thing is that that's that's probably the worst incident i've ever experienced in the past i've never had that kind of experience before i've had terrible stories from my friends of men doing dreadful things when they're in carriages with them and and and, you know and 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 them having to sit in guards vans and stuff and it really upset me because that's never really happened before and that's usually a pretty safe line by and large and also i was particularly cross at having sworn myself really there were probably some people unlike clapping lately there were probably some people who thought i was a complete you know mm. complete yob and i'm not at all but i was just tired and cross and it was basically you know years and years of men being crap at women in public basically so so i am sorry for swearing and lowering mm. myself to the level of that that dullard on the train but anyway yeah it's it is it's deeply frustrating and and also other anti-social behavior on trains that i have problems with snogging couples (laughs) i had one in front of me last night on the way home oh they're so noisy it's so grim anyway i'm i'm delighted that they're happy but i wish that i didn't have to quite experience that in the technicolor that i did last night people are apt to take offence and go berserk at the earliest opportunity these days. I noticed a story in the London Evening Standard this week where, where British Transport Police are seeking to identify a woman. What happened was a mother got on the tube, uh, the subway uh, is what you call it in America, uh, carrying a very small child. And the child kicked out and just mildly um, brushed another woman on the crowded tube and this second Mm. woman went utterly crazy and threatened the mother and when other passengers intervened the mad woman said that she had a knife in her bag and threatened them all um with with the knife it's a massive overreaction but as you know it's a kind of reflection on the mad way we now live and as i say hence why i now avoid public transport at, at all costs Mm, absolutely we do seem to be living on the edge a lot at the moment i would say a knife edge but that seems to be inappropriate given that story but um yeah we do seem to be but it's just but but i think it's exactly right we seem to be living in this kind of increasingly it's almost like going back, and i know there's lots of comparisons being made back go, made about going back to the 60s and the 70s and the 80s at the moment but the 70s and the 80s i wasn't alive at the time but i know lots of people that were had lots of conversations with people that were particularly friends of mine that have similar musical interests to me particularly sort of mods and uh, and people that were into scar and that kind of thing and they often talk about the the kind of just the low level threat of violence mm. that existed all the time it was everywhere there was still violence in schools there were you know there was always fights in pubs all the time it was it was just a way of life that seemed to disappear for a couple of decades and now it seems to be resurfacing again this constant kind of threat and this just kind of it's not even a threat it's just this feeling of discomfort and edge that seems to have crept back into public life and i have to say for me one of the large turning points in the last three years the idea that a serving mp can be shot and stabbed and killed outside whilst giving a surgery in england by a 41 year old woman married with two young children by a man who shouted britain first and um very little seemed to happen in response to that. We still voted to leave. It, the people didn't, you know, stop and think maybe the direction of our public life wasn't going in a massively great way. Um, and for me, for that to be able to happen in public life, in peacetime Britain, and for us to then just continue on like we always have, I know that not everyone has, some of us have been affected very deeply by it, that, for me, was a was a, a worrying importance. Yes, it does feel quite often like we're living in very dangerous times absolutely now how would you feel about being in a restaurant where they tell you that you've got 90 minutes to complete your meal from soup (laughs) to nuts and then you must go um that's next after simple minds
I mean, this is a ridiculously uncool choice for somebody like me that has pretensions of being a music broadcaster, but I can't resist it. I had, funnily enough, uh, people that follow me on Twitter during the day know that my day job often involves me having to be on hold to various kind of <laughs> banks and mortgage lenders, and I often tweet the songs that I listen to when I'm on hold as a way of making it slightly more bearable. And this is a popular, um, a popular favourite amongst various, it's a hardly perennial amongst various mortgage lenders if you ring them up. Nationwide, you should be very keen on this and uh, recently again I have rung up another lender and I had this on hold and I thought actually even down a you know a crappy phone it sounded really good so I thought I even put it on speakerphone at one point and my colleague came in with her post and went oh I like this song so um so it's it's quite it's quite popular I nearly picked the Casey Tunstall version she did an excellent cover a few years ago which is worth digging out for a charity LP I think but um this is I love this it's 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 bombastic and everyone always goes oh early simple minds were better yes they were but I really like this um 
um, Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. Yeah, perhaps they have gone a little out of fashion these days, but it was a very innovative and exciting sound back in the 80s. And mm. I think now far more fun to listen to than some of their uh, moody contemporaries. You know, Yes, absolutely. Mm. No, lots of fun. And also Jim Kerr being mm. one of Patsy Kensett's um, mm. many husbands, I think. I think there might have been three or four, I think. I'm not sure anyway. So, um, so, but, and yeah, he was I, married to Chrissy Hind before. I know. That. He's, he's mm. had some. He's had some top quality wives, hasn't he, Jim Kerr? What are they seeing that I can't? That's what I want to know. But anyway, Patsy Kensett, by the way, was very impressive when she went on Strictly Come Dancing. I was very dismissive of Patsy Kensett mm. to my shame, my unsisterly shame previously. <laughs> and when she went on Strictly Come Dancing, she came across as someone that worked very hard and was very pleasant. So, um, Simple Minds yeah. another one of those bands that have got far more official compilation or live albums than, than real Than they have albums. actual albums, 20, yeah, no, 20 real true. albums, 27 compilation or live That's albums. That's ridiculous. Mad, oh, it's it just, it, it's, it's in, I mean, mind you, we live in a world where Shed 7 have more than one best of. <laughs> now, picture the scene. You tootle, mm. you tootle along into your favourite restaurant. Maybe there's a group of you celebrating a birthday or anniversary. You're looking forward to a cheery evening of conversation, good humour, relaxation, when the waiter tells you that there's a strict time limit on your table and you must guarantee that you will leave the table in 90 minutes, absolute maximum, would your air of bonhomie and relaxation vanish? Well, this week, writing in your The Guardian, uh, the the, the writer on food issues, Jay Mm. Rayner, revealed that this is an increasingly common practice. How would you react, Jules? You're about to tuck into your first mouthful of your much-anticipated pudding. Let's say it's eaten mess. And Mm. as you prod expectantly with your spoon, a waiter appears, whips it all away and tells you, sorry, your 90 minutes is up. Would you please pay and leave in the next 60 seconds? Uh, Are you happy with that? Not entirely, no. I must oh. admit, I am. Um, I, I, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I think it's just greed on the behalf, on on the part of these restaurants. Um, I, you know, I, I, I find going out for an evening meal. It's an evening out for me, by and large. Um, I, I, for me, if I want fast food, I, I, the whole point of going. I mean, I have to say, I wouldn't mind being asked to leave McDonald's. Um, if you're going <laughs> to places like McDonald's, they are fast food places. They're geared towards you know easy options. You have something to eat quickly, and then you move on i have been to mcdonald's tactically in the middle of a night out recently so i mean for that purpose it's extremely good but um but for um for sort of other circumstances if i'm going out for an evening meal and i'm paying quite a lot of money to go out for an evening meal somewhere i will find it objectionable that there is a time limit on me enjoying my food particularly if it's one of these posh restaurants where you have a number of courses for me anything with more than two core anything with more than two courses is quite posh anything with three courses if there's a fish course oh my god that is super posh i you know should i leave that's a, that's a, that's a bit posh for me but um i find it really irritating because to me it just smacks of let's turn over as many tables as many covers as we possibly can to make as many as much money as we possibly can in the evening all it does is create resentment i mean it's it's and and you know and also you have to be serving food efficiently for that i had an incident as you put it once there is always an incident (laughs) i went out for lunch with my colleague on friday and we went to a to a sort of cafe bar place which is rather nice i won't name it because we would like to go back there it is okay in bexhill but uh, we went in not long before we went out we should have thought this through perhaps in our office we had a, a power surge where when i was talking to my colleague the lights and our computers all went off for about 90 seconds and then came back on again and um no less than that actually mm. i would say you know literally they flicked on flicked off flicked on again mm. and everyone kind of went oh in that way that people do when something happens <laughs> and um and we and we decided we'd go out to lunch because the computers were reloading and not really working so we decided we would go out to lunch and we went around that we were originally going to buy a sandwich and then we said oh no let's go and eat somewhere so we went into this place where i'd been before earlier in the week and had a lovely meal i've been there with a friend of mine the week before and had a very nice meal there it's you know the staff are very attentive it's very good we went in and there were different staff on and we ordered some food and we waited 35 minutes Ooh. for that food to arrive. Well, it gets worse. So, so bear in mind that we are on an hour's lunch break, mm. and we are—I mean, we are three minutes walk from the office, so we're not worrying about that so much. And then 
a rather sort of nervous young boy comes over <laughs> and says um and says oh um sorry about this we've got a technical issue it's going to be longer oh. and, I, and i went how much longer why weren't we told this when mm. we'd ordered our food this isn't really acceptable we're on a lunch break here mm. and he then kind of went off looking very sort of hatchet faced <laughs> and came back and said it would be another 10 to 15 minutes mm. and we said in which case can we take it away with us when we finished when you finished it and he then offered us a drink on the house which my colleague said she wasn't thirsty and i wasn't but i had one out of principle so mm. i had a, a glass of apple cheese um sort of just out of bitterness really and um, and, uh, <laughs> and the thing that got me was my colleague said why didn't they tell us at the beginning that it was going to take a while we reckon it was probably they said oh we can't we've got a tent there was something wrong with i can't remember what was wrong with what 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 the issue was but it was a serious issue and it was obviously to do with the power surge i think Mm. and and my colleague said why didn't they say at the beginning and i said because we probably would have got up and left Mm. and i i have the feeling as cynical as i might be that lots of restaurants are geared around yeah, they might claim to be keen on customer service, but ultimately, the, and it might not even be their fault. I think the margins in the restaurant, the hospitality industry, get tighter and tighter, particularly with some of the challenges we are experiencing at the moment. To use that lovely phrase, um, and I, you know, I, so it might not be just cynicism on their part. It might be survivalism, but. I, I do resent, um, well, we can quote the prisoner here, I am a name, not a number. I am a free woman and I wish to graze freely, so I do not wish to uh, I do not wish to have a sand timer on my table. Um, I do not wish to, it, it feels like doing an exam when I used to do my, my exams at university and you'd have to do four questions in three hours. And so you'd you'd look at the clock 45 minutes in and go, I've nearly, I've nearly finished one. I have no desire to eat my dessert and say, oh, it's taken me 20 minutes to, it's taken me 20 minutes to eat my starter. Oh, no, quick, we better hurry up on the main. That's not a night out. That's that's rubbish. It makes me wonder, you know, you mentioned McDonald's, but it's just made me wonder if fast food restaurants might take a cue from this and um, downscale it to suit their menu. So, for example, you go to McDonald's and like you have a digital clock on your table and it starts counting down from, say, 20 minutes. You're only allowed 20 minutes. And if, oh. you're, if you're still in your seat... After the 20 minutes, a kind of hooter goes off and the security guards come and drag you out. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that I have been... I've been to places before, I think, where where you say, oh, can I have a panini heated up, please? And they go, yes, of course. And they give you... I think it's motorway service stations. They give you a timer. And when it goes off, they, oh, they say, oh, when yeah. the timer goes off, it's ready. And you go and collect it. It's like, that's the kind of time of use I'm very keen on. That's, that's actually a good customer experience time of use. I wish people did it that way around rather than having this ridiculous beat the clock. I mean, <laughs> who wants to go to the Ivy and play beat the clock for crying out loud? I, I, I suppose if we look at it... Let's, let's just try and look at it from the restaurant's yes, point of view because they they have to cope of course with some parties not turning up at all and yes, other groups yeah. you know I, I don't know I kind of I, I've done this myself and so I'm, I'm as guilty but you know if they have people like you and me sitting there and maybe staying chatting from say 8pm when you've booked the table till maybe they close at 11 there's such a small margin in, in profits maybe I guess they must try and turn tables around and get two or three uses out of that table in the evening but it is difficult because some responsibility, I think, must lie with pubs and restaurants because despite huge improvements, I think, in British dining out over the last 20, 30 years, maybe, mm. many still don't get it. And, um, well, they don't get it right in terms of creating a relaxing and welcoming experience. And maybe if they did better at that, we might become more agreeable to some sort of time limit. Well, quite, quite, yes, exactly. If you know, if you're willing to tell me if your cookers have broken and you can't mm. give me any food, then I might, I might be more tolerant about that. Yes, but don't leave people sitting in their tables looking like Egypts for 45 minutes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and then say that you, but particularly people looking like Egypts in suits, which clearly suggests that yes, they are on a lunch break. Exactly. In the week we record this, uh, last Thursday was Madonna's 60th birthday. It so was, yes. We're going to be asking, what's so great about Madonna? Um, that's next after this, which is Kate Bush covering Marvin Gaye.
probably somewhat of a much sought after bootleg. Uh, mm. In order to counteract that, it popped up as the B side to the 2005 single King of the Mountain. Um, that's a pro- perhaps rather unlikely, but I think rather wonderful version of Marvin Gaye's hit single, Kate Bush and Sexual Healing. Another great interpreter of songs to go to go alongside. Obviously, I, I still believe that Aretha Franklin is probably the best, but I do like Kate Bush's. Uh, she's got such a distinctive voice. I love imagining Kate Bush singing certain songs, if you see what I mean. And I absolutely loved her version of Rocket Man by Elton John as yes. well. I think she's. I think she's got a great way of of taking things and making them her own. I think it's lovely. Four years ago this week, as we record this, since Kate Bush opened her fantastic series of appearances before the dawn at Hammersmith. Mm, and I'm still proudly looking at my piece of confetti that my bandmate picked up from that that's got the ninth wave uh, calligraphy on it that she put in a frame and gave to me for my birthday. Yes, that's right. I managed to get hold of one of those and I've got that on my wall here. I'm looking at it now and my ticket and the poster of the Before the Dawn Lovely. Uh, event. Yeah. Now, um... Jules, before we celebrate the mighty Madonna, uh, we need to find out where might your expectant and adoring public find you this week? I mean, as ever, I feel that's a big reach, but God bless you. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, this week coming up, Wednesday the 22nd of August, I will be uh, in charge of the music at the Big Gay Pub Quiz as part of the Hastings Pride Week events um, at the um, at, at the Printworks in Hastings. It's compared by Sue Tilly, who um, was a friend of Lee Bowery and is also oh, wow. known as she's also known as the uh, the benefits officer woman that was painted by Lucian Freud oh, and yes. she really is quite a character so it's worth coming our friend Richard has, has written an excellent quiz I've seen some of it it's brilliant and uh, I'm playing various sort of um, disco type fun stuff in between the rounds so that's at the print words in Hastings um, on the 22nd of August um, on the which is a, a, a Wednesday and then on um, Saturday the, the 20 25th of August, I am back at the same, the same set print works, um, doing a late night slash early morning set. Um, you're going to go my dad on me when I tell you what time I'm playing yeah. there. But if you wish to come and see me DJing at the print works, at any time between 9 o'clock in the evening and 3 o'clock in the oh. morning, you can catch me doing so. If you would like to bring some sugary drinks to me, mm. you will be particularly welcomed. My giddy aunt, that's a late okay. night. It is. Um, and by the way, while we're at it, thanks to you for listening. Yes, very much so, as always. And thanks to executive producers Rona and Hilly. Um, yes, as always, thank you. Well, we've, we've been talking about several outstanding women this week. Aretha, mm. Kate Bush, Juliet Harris. And... <laughs> I was about to say me as a joke, but bless you for pressing the point. <laughs> and now Madonna. And, and, and Rowan Hilly as well. Can we put, uh, put them in at that uh, point as well? Uh, yes. Um, Madonna reached her 60th birthday on Thursday, just gone, um, mm-hmm. as we record this. We're, we're, today is 19th of August 2018. In it the, is. In the, in the 1980s, I recall so vividly how she came blasting into our musical world, very much at the forefront of the new visual video world of MTV. Um, and it was so exciting to hear and see her performing Holiday, Lucky Star, Like a Virgin... Um, in the mid '80s, Madonna was just—you know—she was just everywhere. Um, you heard her music in bars, at the gym, coming from people's cars. She was synonymous with the era. So, singer, writer, producer, businesswoman—what's so great about Madonna, Jules? Well, I have to say, I am a, I am a huge admirer of Madonna. Um, I am—I I say this, admittedly, a few podcasts ago, I did rather royally take the Mickey out of her rapping in American Life, and I still don't—I still don't regret that. But I think there's. there's so much to be said for how terrific Madonna is, how important she was for a generation of women in the 80s how she doesn't compromise ever, she always does what she wants to do um, she's always seems to have kept creative control, she hasn't always necessarily made the best of decisions, American life being a case in point and there are other things which have not been great uh, but having said that I there was a really good piece by Sally Hughes to the pool this week and it particularly put praise on Madonna for her, um, so what, what Sally describes as the menopause years, so 50 to 60 basically and she said stop and think about it Madonna the menopause years have been spectacular she fell off stage in a matador cape at the Brit Awards I think you might remember that and yes. instead of waiting to be handed a blanket and restorative tea she got right up and nailed the rest of the routine whenever Piers Morgan weirdly obsessed over what Madonna chose to do with her own body and wondered aloud whether this precluded her from his one demonition of fem- feminism she let him squeal into the abyss and trolled him in his light by wearing even less when the critics slammed her wardrobe choices 
Louise mocked her Botox and fillers, accused her of desperation. She took to Instagram, singing, laughing and dancing with the relentlessly cheerful kids she raises alone. When there was a hideous terrorist attack on the audience at a pop concert in the Bata, a Bath clan, and everyone was understandably frightened of performing live, late 50s Madonna stood on a platform before a screaming Paris Arena audience, dressed as a Harlem flapper girl strumming La Marseillaise on her crotch. Um, I mean, there's much to be said for, for just how Madonna just keeps going. I mean, Jude Rogers did, was given the task in The Guardian, the dream task of ranking Madonna's 78 singles 78. from uh, from worst but 78 singles. And you read anything. I forgot she did that. I forgot she did that. I mean, she went on a, an amazing run of albums. The 80s stuff is, is you know, timeless and, and rightly held up. I mean, the fact that one person did, you know, Holiday like a virgin into the groove borderline lucky star you know all of those all of those ones are hers and and you know the the amazing performance that she was really good in Evita I thought that was a huge role to take on and I thought she was terrific and to then do some of the really edgy stuff that she did in the late late 90s and early 2000s the William Orbit stuff she picks brilliantly with the producers that she works with him Stuart Price Merwise she always seems to find interesting people to work with uh, Confessions on a Dance Floor is a fabulous fabulous dance dance sort of pop album it's it's super she just keeps on moving forwards and 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 there was a thing about someone wrote about her the other day that whenever she does interviews she did an interview recently and she will only talk about the present she won't talk about mm. the past and that's why madonna keeps moving and that's why she keeps having a career keeps selling out arenas keeps having big tours because she's always interested in what's next rather than what's happened previously and for that i think she's terrific uh, of course as with so with as with many artists who stay at the top for a long time there have been some poor decisions of course there have yeah. Madonna, yeah she took the wrong fork in the road and the, the, that pretty dismal hanky panky single yes uh, not straight somehow made it into the top 10 both in the us and over here and um, ill-advised cover of Don McLean's American Pie in my view yes, a decade oh, later yes although having said that I will go back at you a little hmm. bit on this I remember reading so I was a big in the days before the internet I was a big consumer of teletext I was very keen oh, on yes. it uh, particularly the excellent Planet Sound music pages on Channel 4 and they used to have good singles reviews there and um, and I remember the person that reviewed American Pie said that their problem with it was not so much the fact that Madonna had covered it, but the fact that she left some of the verses out. And they Mm. felt had she done it in full, it might have actually been very good. Yeah, a fair point. Yeah, she did uh, rather chop it up a little bit. Um, the ill-advised book of um, photos in the mm, early 90s yes. and some poorly chosen film roles. But none of that outweighs her glorious contribution to pop music, particularly, in my view, um, a series of simply dazzling, uh, sublime pop singles, three or four minutes of standalone gorgeousness mm. and as well as those you know we've mentioned already um there's the majesty of papa don't preach into the groove la is la bonita and the masterful this used to be my playground mm. but to play us out jules you've picked a single from the end of the 1980s a number one hit single all around the world Yes, absolutely. And I did my own top five on Twitter recently and didn't include this at all. And afterwards realised the complete folly of my of my ways, because this this song is just it's just, you know, the the video is just kind of really did push the envelope of what MTV was doing at that point. It's it's just uh, I think the word epic is often overused, particularly nowadays, thanks to that ridiculous car advert. And uh, and but this is a genuine epic. I think it is genuinely um it's just it's genuinely challenging the idea that it is so pushing against um, religion is just it's it's it, I, I think it, it's just an astonishing piece of work and something that will live on i think forever this is madonna and this is like a prayer
You have been listening to a DACA Media Production.